Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. So this morning, we are going to continue in, in, the, in the focus of answering the question, why study the Bible? You know, Pastor Jim really kind of opened the door to that. He talked about, you know, being obedient to the Word of God. But I want to focus this morning, you know, and may, maybe take a few weeks as the Lord leads in answering the, you know, uh, of what does the Word of God do? What does it produce in our life? What does it cause? Why is it of any value? Becky mentioned that we started reading the Bible lab. How many of you guys are trying to commit to do that with us? How many of you have gotten behind one day and had to catch up yet? Don't do that. You'll start reading a whole lot real quick. It's like, man, you know, it's twice the reading. So you get a little bit every day and you don't get behind. And, but the main thing is that we're in Scripture. We're reading Scripture in order to benefit from Scripture. You can't benefit from it if you don't apply it. You can't benefit from it if you don't read it. You can't be guided by it if you don't know what it says, okay? So it's, it's so important to, to focus on, on studying the Bible. So uh, today, if I'm going to give it a title, the title is going to be Infancy to Maturity, okay? So that is just a... Uh, the focus, why should I study the Bible? So I hope to answer that question today, that it draws us from intimacy to maturity, I mean, intimacy, infancy, not intimacy, I'm sorry, infancy. I was like, that word sounded really wrong. Hey, can you, can you mirror that back for me, for what I see over here? So today, you know, re, I want to reiterate what Pastor Jim said last week, because this is the linchpin, this is the pivotal part of everything. If you don't get this first part, you won't get the rest. Okay, we have to understand, you know, that the validity of the Word of God... And that if you don't believe that it's true, then you'll have very little value for the Word of God. But if you believe the Word of God to be absolute truth, it is very valuable to you. Okay? So God's Word is true, not just the part we like, not just the part we understand, and not just the part that's polit politically correct. Every page in this book is accurate. It's correct. It's been orchestrated by God to speak to every single area of our life. Now some of you say, no, it doesn't. Then you haven't read enough of it. I promise you, every question you have, now, don't, don't get so over-religious where you're like, well, did Adam have a belly button? Or get something that really doesn't matter. You, you know, some of you are looking at me like, what do you mean? Well, he wasn't born from a woman, so did he need a belly button that was connected to the umbilical cord? Now, you're scratching your head saying, man, I don't know. Now, there's some stuff in there, like that's just the gray area. That's what I call it. It's stuff that you can make a good educated guess. You can hope to understand. But if he did or didn't, I believe that if God had a belly button, guess what? He made him in his image. So therefore, he had a belly button. Did God need a belly button? Okay, let's quit talking about that. So what I'm talking about is we got to look at what Scripture says, what, what, it, what it clarifies. The gray, we cannot get caught up in the gray areas, the things we will just never understand. That's one thing we got to understand about the Word of God, that it, it's orchestrated and it's birthed forth from God, but it has God woven all through it. And until we get to heaven, there are just some things, guys, we will not understand. But He has given us so much guidance in the Word already that I hope to at least in this lifetime learn enough that I can be successful in all I do. I don't want to be confused. I don't want to be ignorant. I don't want to be an infant forever. But I believe it's God's ultimate purpose and plan for us to grow on to maturity. 
So John 17, 17 through 19, this is the, in the NIV. It says, sanctify them by the truth. And then it clarifies, your word is truth. So the truth is what God has spoken. Verse 18, it says, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Verse 19, for them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. Now that, that scripture right there is very powerful. It says Jesus became all things so that we might become the image of Christ. It says that he became sanctified so that we might be sanctified. We have to understand that Jesus took the most lowly position so that we might benefit from all of it. He didn't shortchange us. He didn't, you didn't give us just a little bit. He gave the full sacrifice. So when Jesus Christ died on the, on the cross and he fulfilled all the prophecies and, and, and all of the work was completed on God and Jesus' side, guess what? Now everything in the word is made available to us. Now, does that mean we understand all of it? Not necessarily. But it is made available to us. I don't know how many of you have more than one Bible at the house, but I have a lot of them. You know, and sometimes, you know, you'll pick them up and you, you'll go like this right here, look. And you'll knock the dust off of them. They do very little good for you when they sit on the shelf and they're not read. You say, I have questions. I don't know what to do. You know, one of, the, one of the biggest struggles that I think of knowing the Word of God, but then seeing how it applies to the times that we're in, uh, it's, you know, I think of the disciples, right? When they became, when the fulfillment of the prophecies of Jesus Christ came, they were living out what the Scripture had promised. Now, I can't say, oh, we're in the chapter 3 of Revelations, right? You know, you hear a lot of end times talk right now with everything going crazy. But what I don't want to do is not be educated and not know what the Scripture says where I begin to live in the times of the end and I don't realize it's the end. I don't want to be ignorant. I don't want to be unlearned. And it's not that I'm looking for a demon behind every single thing. Because I don't believe as a Christian I have to live like that, but I need to be educated and I need to be aware of what the Word of God says. When I see things begin to unfold, I said, man, that's scriptural. Uh-oh, Lord, is this it? You know, I don't want to halfway through be like, oh, man, we were halfway through Revelations. I didn't even realize it. I want to know what the book of Revelations or I want to know what God says when the end comes, what happens. And just to let you know, in a nutshell, it gets way worse before he comes back. It doesn't get easier. It doesn't get better. Now, does our relationship with him get sweeter? Absolutely. Do we have to live as the world? No. I believe that we can thrive all the way to the end. But you know, when he says, for those who follow me, what? Take up your cross. To live is to die. He didn't promise that it would be easy, but he always promises that he would be faithful. But he says, I sanctify myself so that they too may be sanctified. Jesus went through all of it. He endured everything so that we may endure this in this lifetime. So when we look at the word logos, this is a Greek word. The word means word or message, utterance, speech, discourse, saying frequently of God through his messengers. Okay, so we have to understand that when we look at the Bible, we look at the context of Scripture. This is the spoken word of God through his, his, his people that have written that were very specific in what they said. You know, sometimes I read it and it's like, Lord, did you really mean to write it like that? You know, sometimes we want to twist it or we think, well, man, it would make more sense if it was written this way. Right? You know, so even looking at that scripture, it says that for them, I sanctify myself. Because we could have just said what? Jesus is sanctified. 
But, it may, but how it was written, I sanctify myself. I lay myself down. I put myself on the cross. It's a lot more powerful. Because was Jesus the, the perfect one? Yeah, but he still laid down his life willingly. He says, nobody can take up my life, but I willingly give it. It was very specific. It was very detailed. And we see that as Jesus walked out this life. You know, he, he didn't fight against the Pharisees. He didn't, you know, he willingly fulfilled all of the prophecies. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. You better start reading some of the Gospels. We'll clarify all of that for you. You know, I quote a lot of Scripture hoping you're reading it, and, and you're not like, oh, man, that's the first time I've heard of that. So if that happens, please let me know, and I can reference what I'm talking about. But I'm hoping we're going to be people of the Word. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. This is in the New Living Translation. So we're going to look at this passage because I, in this translation because I think it really clarifies a little bit more specific. It says, All Scripture, so this is the Word, is inspired by God and is useful for teaching us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Verse 17, God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. So in the NIV, it talks about the teaching, the rebuking, the correcting, and the training. So I really like to look at different translations because I think some clarify different things. I feel like the NIV gives it like a list. It says, you know, hey, teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. But then in this New Living Translation, first and foremost, it teaches me what the truth is. And then it makes me realize what's wrong in my life. Have you ever read through Scripture and you read something like, oh, Mama didn't tell me about that one. Or it was something you didn't know. And all of a sudden the Word of God is bringing a correction to you. It's convicting you. And we can say, you know what, Lord, that's just hard. But I know you love me and I know you love me anyway. And we can completely avoid it. Or what did we learn last week? Yes, Lord. I don't think I can do it. But yes, Lord. (laughs) Whatever the situation is, whatever the scripture is that we read. So studying the Bible, it causes spiritual growth in our lives. It causes us to go from infancy to maturity. So the, the word is, is the key to being successful in this life. It tells you how to manage money. It tells you how to, how to plan for a rainy day. It tells you, you know, what to look at in a spouse when you're looking for a husband or wife. You know, it, it gives you so much guidance in everything. It, it shows you what the focus of your life should be versus what you shouldn't be focused on. Now, is it going to say Facebook anywhere in there? No. But when it talks about distractions or it talks about things that waste your time and suck your life, Facebook, that's what it's talking about. Things that have very little value in this life. But a lot of us, we will look at Facebook or we will read what's in, in the commentaries or whatever they put, and we take that as a biblical truth. Well, I heard this is what happened or this is how this works, and... It is completely contrary to the Word of God. There are so many times, guys, I don't respond to Facebook. I think about it, I'm just like, man, if I wasn't a pastor, shame on them. I'd be all over it. So, but, you know, and then there's times I shake my head, and then sometimes I see some of you guys respond. I'm like, I'm glad they did it because I didn't have to. Right? You know, there is a lot of ignorance in the world, guys. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that, you know... There's not a little bit of ignorance in all of us, but I hope that we do not remain ignorant. But that we grow in the knowledge of the understanding of God's word and we go on to maturity because if we stay in infancy, we remain ignorant. But if we go on to maturity, we begin to learn what God wants us to learn. 
So Psalms 119, 160 in the New Living Translation, it says, The very essence of your word is truth. All your regulations will stand forever. So it's not like God all of a sudden is going to change his mind and be like, you know what, I know this is hard for you, so I'm going to, I'm going to just make it easier. Or I'm just going to change it for you. Oh, you don't have to abide by that one. It's okay, I love you. You know, we think of all these, these thoughts of how people think God is. So then let's say we violate one of his laws. We violate one of his precepts. We do something wrong that is not in alignment with God's word. And then we have consequence for sin and we get mad at God because God is the big bad guy in heaven that, that caused this bad thing to happen. But it was your disobedience to the word that caused all of it to happen. So there's, there's, there has to be this correction. There has to be this understanding. We have to look at the Word of God. That is why it is so critical to study the Word of God. It's because it is the tool that God will use us to grow into maturity. Nothing else. It doesn't, you know, I, I like reading books. I like reading different things of, you know, people's thoughts or interpretations of things. But we cannot ever allow that to replace the Word of God in our life. And I love it because it challenges me. It makes me think a little bit different. Then it's like, you know, but I hope after you read those books, you don't just start preaching it, but you go back and make sure you're aligning it with the Word of God, that it's actual biblical truth. And not just, wow, that was a cool idea. All right. Psalms 25, 4 through 5 in the New, Liv New NIV. It says, show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your path. Guide me in your truth. That's the word, that Logos word again. It says, and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. You know, as we look at these scriptures, it keeps saying the word, the word, the word. Every single time you're going to see this in scripture, it's referring to the word of God. It's, it's, it's talking about the, the spoken word of God. You know, for us who believe, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. So I believe that as we deposit the word of God within us, the Holy Spirit causes that word to come to life and it will bring it forth in that specific time that we need it. I know sometimes I read, you know, and I, you know, I've told you guys about my morning prayer. Sometimes it's rough. I'm not a morning person. At night, it's great. You know, I'll be reading and I'm like, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. I'm dozing off. Like I said, I got behind one day and I had to double up. So now I'm reading like six chapters and, you know, have the coffee and send it down. Coffee's not working. My eyes are closing. But I am, I am just causing that word to be put within me. Now, I may not feel like I'm, you know, I don't always feel like, oh, man, that was such a spiritual thing. But I'm feeding on the word. I'm digesting the word. I'm, I'm meditating as much as I can to put that word inside of me. I'm laying the word before my eyes. I'm reading it. I'm striving to understand what it says. And I'll tell you what, even in those moments where I feel like <clears throat> I'm not, I didn't get anything out of it, there's moments later where the Holy Spirit will bring that back because I laid it before my eyes and I deposited it within me that He brings it forth. But if I'm not making any deposits, I can't make any withdrawals. You ever tried that? Don't put no money in the bank and then try to take out thousands? I'm like, sir, your account is zero, right? You know, it, that's never going to work. So why would we do that spiritually? Why would we try to withdraw deposits that we've never deposited anything into? Now, sometimes God will give you some grace. He'll, he'll, he'll allow you to draw on something that you didn't deposit. Thank God for that. But I believe if we really want to grow into maturity, we have to make deposits in the right, in the right areas. We have to be people of the word.
Amen? So God's Word is truth, and it will cause us to grow. 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3, New Living Translation. It says, so, so get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into the full experience of salvation. That's why I picked the New Living Translation for this one. You know, it has some different wordage. So that you will grow into the full experience of salvation. Now, some of us feel like we were shortchanged in salvation, maybe. We got saved and we're like, is that it? If that's your mentality, you've never tasted and seen who the Lord is in full capacity. I'm not saying you're not saved, but what I'm talking about is this full experience of salvation, not this fire insurance that allows me to go to heaven, but I'm talking about living this life of prosperity, living this life of, of the power of God flowing through us where we are believing God in what He says and we are asking God and we are praying according to God's will and then we see things happen and change. This full experience of salvation continues to say, it says, cry out for this nourishment. Verse 3, it says, now that you have tasted, and some of the translation says, if you have indeed tasted of the Lord's kindness. Now, I think some of us in, I know everybody pretty well in this room, but I am hoping that all of us have ta truly tasted of the goodness of the Lord. Because I hope that we would not, you know, of thought we did and have not received. But if you have truly tasted of the Lord's kindness and His goodness, it says, cry out for this nourishment. You ever been around a baby that gets hungry? Does the baby let you know it? He just doesn't look at you. He's going to be very vocal. He cries out for that nourishment. I think if we could see our spirit man inside of us, I think our spirit sometimes cries like that. It says, man, feed me. I'm dying. I can't do it alone. I need some assistance. I need some help. And when we meditate on the Word of God, it is that nourishing to us. It causes us to grow onto maturity. Okay? So it says, get rid of all evil behavior. So the word deceit, this is deception of others by individuals, usually for the sake of their own interest safety or pride. So if we think about this, you know, it says get rid of this, be done with this. You know, how much deception is going on right now? You don't got to be a prophet to figure it out. You know, I'll look at stuff and it'll be like, hey, this is, well, they'll take one side. It's like, this is 100% correct. Let's go over here to this side. Well, this is 100%. I'm just like, man, what is going on? Somebody's wrong. You know, it can't be, you know, hot and cold. Maybe it's lukewarm and a mush of both, but it can't be one or the other. It can't be one extreme or the other. You know, and I'm not a doctor. I'm not, you know, like when we look at all of these things with going on in social media, what's right, what's acceptable, what should we do, what should we not do, what's safe, what's not safe. Now, I know i got a doctor in the room, so I'm going to be very careful because I am not the doctor. Right? I don't know. But I have to ask God for specific wisdom for me and myself and my family. And at the end of the day, I have to be satisfied with as God leads me. We can't live in a spirit of fear because I feel like that's the root of all of this, guys. You know, man, the enemy is striving to cause fear. He's causing us to shrink back. He's causing us to isolate. He's causing us to, to say, well, it's okay if I stay at home because it's safer. We've got to be real careful about what the enemy could be conditioning in this season. Because of what is going to come, if it gets worse and worse, you cannot be at home and be okay by yourself. We have to battle together or we lose. So we have to understand the big picture. So I thought you were talking about mask, no mask. I thought you were talking about how it's... I'm talking about big picture. Being deceitful. 
So our heart has to be pure. It has to be of pure motive. We have to try to understand. We don't want to call just anybody and everybody be like, oh, you know, get mad and call it, call it ignorance or whatever when we don't know. But let's look, look at that de definition. It says, it's usually for the sake of their own interest. So we really got to check the motive of our hearts. Well, why am I being mad about this? Why am I judging this person that what's right for me is not right for you or wrong for you? And like what, vice versa, right? What is the motive? Because at the end of the day, everybody has to decide for themselves. And just because you have the freedom of speech doesn't mean you should say everything you think. <laughs> Listen to that on that recording. Yeah. You're like, man. Hopefully that's not all you remember of the whole message, but let's keep going. Hypocrisy. So this is an outward pretense masking the inner reality. It's two-faced. It's, 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 it's like you're smiling, but you're really mischievous on the inside. Hypocrisy. We don't want to be people of hypocrisy. You know, that's something that I've always heard. Oh, those Christians, they're just hypocrites. I was like, well, not all of them. I mean, I'm sure there's the exception to the rule of people that are really messing it up for all, you know, like, but that one exper bad experience kind of causes every, their, their whole perspective to shift. You know, and I, I mean, it's vice versa. I could say, oh, the world, well, that one idiot. Now I'm going to call you, I'm going to think of you all like that, right? It works both ways, but I cannot be responsible for the world, guys. I cannot be responsible for their actions. All I can be responsible is for myself. So it commands us to remove hypocrisy, to remove deceit. Also jealousy. So this is envy. This is a desire for another's gifts, possessions, position, or achievements. Have you ever envied somebody else's job? Say, well, they don't work hard. I could do way better than them. You know, and you're, you're kind of being envious of that. You know, I mean, that's not what you're saying, but that's what you're thinking, and that's what your motives of your heart are. Rather than saying, man, I'm glad God's blessed you with that job. And genuinely mean it, not saying, but I hope you get far so I can have your job. Like, that, that's what I'm talking about. You know, you're jealous for it. Or, you know, somebody's new truck, brand new boat, whatever it is. You know, like anything. I mean, it can be anything. What's the motives of our heart? Because the scripture says completely remove it. Get rid of it. Get rid of this behavior. Unkind speech. Man, that is running rampant right now, guys. So this, this, this is cruel, evil speaking, backbiting. Don't contribute to that, but extinguish it. Remove it from the DNA of what we're adding. You know, um, I think there's just so much opportunity to speak life right now into dark places and, and, and take those opportunities wisely, okay? So in this passage, it talks about spiritual milk. So what is it talking about? Spiritual milk is what? The... The Word, right? The Word or Scripture or the Bible, meditating on this thing. So when we see that word spiritual milk, it's talking about the Word. So daily Bible study, it's essential to your spiritual growth. You know, I talk about eating. You know, if you go one day without eating, oh man, you notice it. But how do we, we malnourish ourselves so often by the Word of God? We just, we're just not people of the Word. You know, um, you know I don't know if that's a non-denominational thing? Is that just a cultural thing? How did we get to that place to where we're not people of the Word? We're passive. We're just really uneducated. We're not intentional. We're not driven people. Now, I'm not talking to everybody. If you are a diligent seeker of the Word and you, you read the Word often, I'm not talking about you, but I believe culturally, I mean, I remember growing up, I didn't read a lot of the Word. 
I mean, I heard scriptures and I was at church and I heard the word, but I wasn't reading. You know, I think there was kind of like hills and valleys of it. I'd get real excited about the things of God. I'd read for a little bit and then it was like, okay. But luckily I would deposit some at that point that God would kind of keep me through the through the valley. Say, oh, remember that time. But I always remember how sweet those moments were in the word. But I think sometimes we just get distracted or we get busy. But it's got to be something that we focus on and we focus on daily. It's one of those big reasons we're pushing this reading Bible app, you know, this read scripture that every single day we're reading it. Hopefully we're reading it together. If stuff comes up, you're like, hey, I read this today. I don't got a clue what this means. Put it on our, our Facebook closed family page and say, hey, I read this today. This is really cool. Or like, hey, Pastor Noe, what in the world does this mean? And if I don't know what, to, what it means, ask Pastor Jim to preach. Say, explain this to us, right? Or we're going to get educated. We're, there, there is a lot of resources that strive to explain what the true Word of God is. But we want to really understand what the Word of God says, not just false interpretation. Well, I think this means this. Or I think this means this. Well, I think it means this. And none of them are true. What value would that be? Not too valuable, right? That would be a school for training a whole bunch of dummies, right? There's no factual truth, so we really have to know what the Word of God says. So, um, how many of you guys at your house when you were raising kids, I know I have, have a growth chart? You have a door or you have a threshold, you have something in your house where you measure your kids' growth. You guys got those or have had those? You know, I know in my house, you know, uh, I measure, you know, and this is something, you know, so I measure their height and I measure their weight, which Samuel's growing right now, so he's super excited. He's like, Dad, I'm 80 pounds. I was like, I can still throw you across the room. But he thinks, you know, he's, he's getting big. You know, he sees that number going up, you know, and, uh, you know, so I'll measure, I measured Grace and she was a little bit, I measured Cassidy and she was about the same. Samuel had grown a little bit, you know, but a while back they wanted to put my measurement on there and to put Becky's measurement on there, you know, and they're looking at that line. They're looking, that's how far I got to go to achieve greatness or whatever it is, right? <laughs> whatever the reason is, you know, so, you know, I thought I started thinking about that, that thought, right? You know, that our line tends to stop. At some point, why is it that adults stop growing at some point and maybe they start growing in a different direction? <laughs> you know, or what, you know, how do you how do you explain that when your kid asks how, you know, dad, why do you quit growing? Um, you just stop, you know, like, I mean, you know, think about that. You know, it's just a concept because you grow your whole life ish. You feel like as a child and then you stop growing. So when we adapt this same question spiritually. Do you stop growing? You know, are you growing on to maturity? Do you see if you were to step up onto the scale or you were to step up to that wall and would you take, if you took a measurement, would you see progressive growth? Or would you see stunted growth? Would you say, you know, man, I don't see any growth. You know, so I think some of the questions you have to ask yourself, you know, is how long have I been a Christian? It's kind of a humbling question sometimes, right? Because you're like, man, I've been a Christian my whole life. Well, how much of the scripture you know? Well, not a whole lot. So you've been a Christian your whole life and know very little about the, the book in which supports our whole belief system. So you'd be, grace is high. You'd be real low. You'd be like, oh, man. So I think that's, that's a humbling thing. We should be seeing progressive growth. Right? You know, so how much have you grown up spiritually? Some of you may say, man, you know, when I, you know, I first came to the knowledge of the Lord and I really didn't grow much. And then there was this season. And I think we all go through those where there is this kind of just this exponential growth in our life. We see that growth. We see that maturity. You know, and it had to have been by exposure to the truth of God's word. 
Nothing else will cause you to grow spiritually. Going to the gym, that ain't going to help you grow spiritually. Eating right, that's not going to help you grow spiritually. Only the Word of God will cause that supernatural growth in your life. But I believe that every moment in our life, if we've seen those moments of growth, it's because we have saturated ourselves around the Word of God. Or we've came to knowledge of a truth that radically reshaped the way we thought about Scripture. So today, God's growth chart, you know, step up to, that, to God's growth chart and see if there's any progress. And I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, a little bit of growth. Man, what are you doing? Like, come on, brother. Like, I mean, I'm, I, I think we have to personally identify with ourselves and say, man, has there really been growth? And then if not, dot, 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 you ask the question, well, why? Why am I not growing? And then I believe if we're really honest and we ask God that question, I believe he'll show us the answer to why there's a lack of growth. If I were just going to take a guess, I believe mainly, though, is because there is a lack of studying of the Word of God. We're just not being people of the Word. So spiritual milk, it causes you to grow from infancy to maturity. You know, so, we're, you know, so we have to understand you know, that milk is also something that is, is fed by someone else. So, like, if you were wanting to see, like, what does it look like, you know, so Pastor Noe's running around with the bottles this morning and be like, here you go, okay, come on over here, okay, here you go. Like, if you want to see what it really looks like, it is, it is somebody else feeding you. But then there comes a point in life to where you go on to maturity, and the Bible talks about it not always staying on milk, but getting to the place of where you can have true uh, nourishment, and it talks about the meat, it talks about growth. It talks about, you know, but you think about even that process has to happen because a baby, why is a baby on milk? Baby doesn't have teeth. I mean, you can't, you can't chew the meat. You can't process the meat. You can't eat the meat. You know, so like, I mean, normally you don't go straight to meat. You start eating, so, you know, soft solids and, you know, you kind of get weaned off to where you get to the point of where you can eat all the solid food you want. You know, and even, even like yesterday we had steak, which that's the pinnacle of Fourth of July Independence Day celebration, right? But even my kids, I still had to cut up the steak for them. They can eat it, you know, caveman style, but I still had to cut it up in little cubes, little squares. Where's the ketchup, Dad? You don't need the ketchup if it's good. <laughs> I need the ketchup. I think it's psychological, and they don't even care what it tastes like. They like the ketchup taste. So I'm going to give them some bologna and put some ketchup on it, save my steak for myself. That's all they care about anyway. So, but even as they've gotten older, I still have to cut it up for them. So I believe that as, as you mature, that's more what the, what the church is. It's not that you can't eat the meat. Just every now and then you need help chopping it up, dissecting it, understand what it is so you can deposit it within you. As you make those deposits, you can withdraw out of you. Amen? Okay, so, you know, baby milk, you know, it sustains life physically, uh, but you have to have, just like the Word of God sustains you, Okay? So the Bible, it will sustain you spiritually. So, you know, and you have to understand, guys, it's not God's plan for you to remain spiritual infants, but to grow on to maturity. Say that one more time. It's not God's plan for you to stay at infancy, but He desires for you to go on to maturity. So when we talk about our vision, our mission statement, knowing, which is what? Infant stage, right? Growing should be that maturing process, and then going is the pinnacle of, hey, now that you've grown, you figured out how to eat meat, you know how to cut meat, man, help us feed others and mature others. It's becoming, it's doing what God has ultimately called you to do. 
So one of the fastest ways to grow as a Christian is to obey God's instructions and the instructions of His Word. James 1, 19-25. This is going to be in the NIV. That's James chapter 1, 19-25. So this is kind of a longer scripture, but I'm going to read through all of it. Starting in verse 19, it says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. So what is that saying? So if we were going to be students of the Word, what is it saying right there? Pay attention to what I'm about to say. Don't turn on the TV. Don't get distracted. Pay attention to what I'm about to say. Okay? So here's what it says. It says, Everyone should be quick to listen. Are you listening? Quick to listen. Slow to speak. Well, wait, are we almost going to get out of here? Hold on. I said slow to speak and slow to become angry. So if we were just to stop there and chew on that for a little bit, that's enough to cause change in our life. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Verse 20, it says, Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Verse 21, Therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, so that that word is superabundance, there's a ton of it among you, and it says, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Let me just stop there just for a minute. So you, if you plant the word of God in you, what does it say that the word of God has the potential to do? Which can save you. So we don't realize that sometimes like, man, you know, it can save me. It has the potential to change me. It has the 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 potential to, to, to cause me to become Christ-like? Absolutely. Let me keep going. Verse 22. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, so that doesn't mean you look at it and you're like, hey, that's a good thing. You know, it's like if you obeyed the traffic laws one time. I'm going to go 65. That's what it says. But every now for the rest of my life, I'm going to go 90. I can guarantee you'll get a ticket. You have to continually do the same thing over and over in, in the regulations of what it says. You can't just do whatever you want. Okay? continues in it. So you have to continue in what the Scripture says. Not forgetting what you have heard, but doing it. Then, then you will be blessed in all you do. So we have to allow the mirror of God's Word to really inspect, reveal, and correct us in becoming all, uh, into becoming all that Christ has called us to and to reflect the image of Christ. Now, you know, I was looking for a little mirror, and I was like, you know what? We don't even use that anymore. This right here is our mirror, baby. We right here like... Said all the women in the room, right? No? Y'all still have mirrors in your purses? You do? I got one. She's like, I do. So she, she doesn't like the, how this looks. So, so, so she, she's like, she's like I, I like a... So I'm going to explain, all right? So I feel like, you know, so, so what this does, it gives you just a small profile of what you see, right? So what this scripture is saying, it says, when I look at myself, it's like, okay, see what I look like, hair to the side... What in the world did I just look like? And I look back again. I mean, this is utter, it's chaos. It's chaotic, right? How the heck would you not know? Now, I mean, I don't know if this happens, it never happens to me. I don't ever look in the mirror. I'm like, man, who's this guy? 
right? You know, I mean, I, I recognize myself, you know, like, you know, if sometimes it's like, man, I need to take care of this guy. Like if anything, right? It's not like, I don't forget what I look like. But when I look at this, I'm real, real nearsighted. I cannot see the big picture of what God is always wanting to show me. It's real close. Now, if I want to get closer, you can zoom in and you can get real close. I mean, you're talking about poor examination and all of these. Th- I mean, you don't bo- I remember my mom used to have a makeup mirror. Freaked me out. I've never seen one in my life. But you look at it, it's regular image, and you flip, and it's like 10x, like right here. I'm like, what is this for? I was like, I can see stuff I didn't know I had on my face. I mean, I'm talking, you see your pores, you can see inside your pores, this crazy thing. So when we talk about the Word of God inspecting us and the mirror of life showing us, so the difference is sometimes we, we look at this, we get real close and we see a little bit, but then we forget about what it is. But let's say we really use God's Word for what it says. And we allow it to be the mirror. When I step in, in front of a mirror like this, this is, can sometimes be a humbling thing because not only do I see my face, but I see the whole image. Now, some of you to get older, like, oh, I like just the face shot. The whole image sometimes gets rough. But, you know, I, I remember when they ta- taught us about preaching, they would say, hey, before you go, look at yourself in a mirror. Check your teeth, check your buttons, and check your zipper. Top three things, you know, so like, like think about this. I could look right here all day and be like, oh man, it looks great. And I could have mustard stains. What, what, I could have all kinds of crazy going on. But when I stand in front of a mirror that really reflects God's word for my life and it begins to show me what's wrong, I, God is showing us those things so we can deal with them, guys. He's not showing us so we can forget them. The enemy wants us to say, you know, I don't worry about that. Don't look at that. He wants us to be distracted. He doesn't want us to see the true image. He does not want us to use the word of God to bring that correction to to, to mirror what we really look like. But that mirror will always bring correction in our life. It'll begin to 15x magnification, whatever the issue is. It will be unavoidable in your life if you'll use it as God has designed you to use it. But it says many of you look at it and you immediately forget But I believe the Word of God, it will cause that work. It'll cause that deep inspection. But there's a difference between looking at a small mirror and looking at a full-size mirror. We can see a lot more of the big picture when we look at a full-size mirror and we allow that to inspect us. So the fullness of God's Word allows us to see ourselves as Christ sees us. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 in the NIV, it says that we also thank God continually because you received the word of God, which you heard from us. You accepted it not as human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in those who believe. So we have to understand, you know, in in Genesis 1.27 in the NIV, we have to understand at the beginning how God created us was in his image. Verse 27, it says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. We are to reflect the image of Christ, guys. If we were to get somebody who's living in the world who, is, who professes to not be a Christian and we look at the characteristics in his life, man, I hope there is a huge dividing line. And we don't look so much like the world or the world looks so much like the church. There should be a dividing line in our lives. We should be reflecting the image of who God is in every area of our life. So God created us to reflect his model, his image here on the earth. So as we mature, we become more and more Christ-like. We should begin to, you know, when we, when we look at that, we should say, man, I see Christ. Not, I'm not talking about perfection, guys. That's not what I'm talking about. But we see the nature of Christ in our life, working in us and through us, causing us to go, 
you know, from infancy to maturity. We're seeing ourselves, you know, get, work through this process of we're seeing ourselves in the light of God working in our lives like we never have. So he created us to reflect his image. Ephesians 4.13 in the New Living Translation. So this was, we, we touched on this passage last week, but it says, you know, this was for equipping the saints. It says that this will continue. So he talks about this is going to continue to go on until it happens. It says, this will continue until you come to such unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God that you will become mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Remember I talked about putting those marks on the door. Do you measure up? You know, my parents gave me the nickname Little Noe because I was little at the time and my dad was Noe Jr. And then when my grandpa was here, he was Noe kind of senior. So I'm actually a third. So when holidays or different things like that came around, it was always, Noe, yeah, what, what, what? We'd get three what's because we don't know who they're calling. Now, depending how my mom said it, <laughs> I knew if it was me. <laughs> right? I'd be like, yeah, she's talking to me. <laughs> Guilty, right? You know, but little Noe, because I was small. I was smaller. I was little. Now, if you look at the makeup of me, I'm bigger than all the other two. A little taller than the other two. So, you know, when you say little Noe, I still kind of laugh. That doesn't really do it justice. I'm a, not a little guy. But... You see that growth, but it would, it would be an injustice if I still was acting like when I was little knowing. Really would. Now, sometimes does that little kid syndrome come out and I get mad and I get frustrated? Oh, yeah. But when you talk about the standard of Christ, all right, anybody been wondering about this? So when we talk about reducing the standard of Christ, how many know as a grown adult this is so fun? You can dunk it, you can slam it, you can throw it through here, you can knock it over, you can kick it, you feel like an all-star. But what I've done here, I've drastically reduced the standard to what somebody my age should have the standard, standard set to. We think about, you know, professional basketball. If we remember what that is, since we've not been watching sports in a while, but, you know, the regulation height is 10 foot. I cannot put my elbow on a 10-foot rim and act like I'm super tall, right? When we look at this, it's, it's so easy. But we cannot reduce the standard for the sake of it being easy just because it's easy. We can reduce the standard of God in our life where we achieve every time. We're like, yes, God, yeah, look what I did. But you've reduced the standard and it's totally pointless. Look what I did. I know when I was a child dunking this, I'd be so excited. But what if daddy started raising the, the bar like, dad, I can't reach that. Yeah, because you got to play with the standards that you are. We can't be infants. Like for, for Grace, this is great. And it might be a challenge for her. Samuel, he's going to feel like a big dog. He's going to be like, yeah, look, dad. I'm like, okay, let me go up to eight foot. Well, that's not so fun, dad. But we have to understand the standard is set. And I also believe that God also establishes that standard so that we can be successful that is, that is pivotal on the place that we're at maturity-wise. So he doesn't set it at 10 foot right at the gate, and I'm just like, man, that's, I can't even throw the ball that high. I don't know if you've started noticing like, when a little kid is learning to shoot on They don't go all the way. You know, they start low, and their confidence level gets there, and they slowly raise the standard. But Father God will never reduce the standard of His Word 
forever. I think he does it in increments. He says, hey, I want you to trust me. Well, I don't think I can make it, God. It's kind of, it, you know, I, I'm not a basketball player. Just try. Swoosh, nothing but net. Oh, man, yeah, I can do it. Swoosh, nothing but net. All right, cool. You're growing. You're getting better. You're, you're, you're learning what you're doing. And then, then he goes here and he, start, he, starts, he starts raising. I don't know how high this thing goes. We'll stop right there so I don't knock it over. But he begins to raise the standard as our maturity level grows. Because he wants, he wants to applaud us also. You know, if we, if we give a baby a ball and it's like, make it. We're not going to be happy. We're going to be like, yay, good job, you missed. I mean, we can't even pray. We're giving them false praise now because they're not really achieving the goal and the results that we want. And the standard is that you make the shot. Not like, ooh, good job, you totally missed it. Yeah. You think that's God's expectation of us? No. He sets the standard high, but we cannot reduce the standard just because it's easy and call that success. Well, I came to church today. Even some places, man, they'll give me discounts if I go to church. So, you know, like, well, you know, you think of all these, like, you think that's all that matters? You think that really pleases God? And it answers that question of saying, you know, to the complete standard of Christ. I believe God has set a high standard, but he's also made it achievable to those who pursue him. And then you start noticing, man, it just starts coming natural. I still, I call myself athletic. I just don't play like I should all the time. But I notice when I start shooting, all of the synchronization starts coming back. Now, when I haven't done it in a while, it's like, ooh, air ball. And Sam was like, Dad, you never played? I was like, no, son, I played a lot. I just haven't kept up the chops, right? But I notice when, you, when you've done something long enough, it can always come back. Riding a bike, hitting a baseball, never, ever, ever running 10 miles where your boy's at, but that makes no sense to me. I'd die. <laughs> Got a kid in our young adults. Been she said, look, I ran 10 miles today. I was like, look, I drove 15. <laughs> I mean, you, if you see me running 10 miles, my car broke down, I had to come home or something. You, it's, I'm never going to track it. You know, so, but, but I believe to, to the gifts and, and the ability and what God has called us to, let us excel at that. I mean, I can make a basketball, but I can't run 10 miles. He can run 10. I asked him, I said, what's the furthest you ran? He said, well, you know, I've been running 10, but I've ran like 14. And I'm just like, first off, why? Like, but, but he's built for it. You got to be built for that. Like, I mean, I would die, man. I, I don't think I could do it. That for, I mean, I, I guess I could do it. It would take me a long time. Wouldn't be running the whole thing. Right. <laughs> But we think about as we apply standards or we apply principles. You know, I remember when they would teach you basketball initially, they'd teach you about this box right here. You remember that? And you'd hit it, man, you'd hit nail it. Wham! It hit it, sound like it's going to break the backboard, but it would go in by the principle of how it's built, right? And then when you start getting a little better, you just start going and it's like a nothing but net thing. It's not even, you're just kind of, you're looking for the trajectory of just landing right in the middle. But when you get in that rhythm and you practice and you put in that time, your body just begins to react. It begins to just work through the motions. You can tell when it releases off of your hand if you shot the shot right or if you're like, oh, I better go get my rebound. You immediately know because you have begun to work up to that standard. You have begun to, to really polish that in your life. But we got to know what the complete standard of Christ is. So how do we apply this? What do we do with this, Pastor Noe? As we read God's Word, we must do what it says. What if it's hard? 
It's okay. I believe that God is going to put it at a place where you can begin to make the shots. You're like, but what? But I feel like I'm shooting on a little bitty goal. Well, maybe you are. But I hope a year from now that 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 height is going up and you're seeing maturity. Because if a year from now, if you're like, check this out, I'm still dunking on a four foot flat goal. We have issues. You're not maturing. You're not growing. You're not living up to the standard that God has established for us. But we only know that 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 word or the standard by the word of God. Let's look at this passage in closing, Luke eleven twenty seven through 28 in the NIV. He says, as Jesus was saying these things, he was, you know, doing his thing out. Oh, it says, a woman cri- cried out from the crowd, said, blessed is the mother who gave birth to you and nursed you. You know, that would be such an awkward statement. You imagine I'm sitting here preaching, somebody yells, Pastor Noe, God bless your mom. It's like, what are you talking about? Now, it was a heart out of gratitude, and we see all this, but look, listen, listen to what Jesus responds, because that's a big deal, right? You think of like, man, the Messiah, the mom, the honor, the all this thing, but this is what he says. But he replied, he said, no, he says, but blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. He says, you think that was impressive what she did? What is really impressive when you do what I ask? You guys stand up with me. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.